Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 221. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman. I'm joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Hello. Hello. So this, this, this episode is, uh, so last episode was, was kind of a, a different type of episode. <laughs> you know, we didn't really have a structure. And when we were talking about episodes to do this week, uh, Brogan threw out a, a, a really interesting idea. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about one of the, uh, under, uh, a relatively new creature type that, uh, first was introduced in, uh, Future Sight. But then was a major creature type in uh, Unstable just last year. So this episode, we're going to be talking about riggers. Okay, so everything... Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. My idea. Yes. Everything you want to know about uh, uh, the rigger creature type, we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. So... Uh, there was another one. The Morok rigger uh, became a rigger in the great uh, M10 creature type type update. <laughs> okay, Jess, if you scroll down in the so, show notes, we talk about that uh, later. Oh, my bad. So, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, um, uh, wait, I haven't actually read the show notes. There's, I, there's, I, something, I, there's something wrong with the show notes. Um, oh, I'm I'm really bad at spelling. I, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. I should, Brogan, you put a T in front of uh, all of these, the creatures. Yeah, so I hate to break it to you, Brian, but I think her idea was to talk about triggers. Oh, so I'm, in a I'm, grand twist of events, it was Brian's <laughs> idea to talk about triggers. He's led us all was astray. It so, it's- so Brian, I have, I have a serious question. Did you want to talk about triggers so that you could make the rigor joke? No, actually, I thought of that about five minutes before the episode. Okay. <laughs> have you spent this whole time just like pumping yourself up to talk about riggers? No. Well, if you if you remember about uh, twenty minutes ago when I was listing the uh, the tabs that I had open, and then I was like, I got gatherer <laughs> up for some reason. <laughs> what was this for? Well, it's the gather window open for. Yeah, there's 16 creature types. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, we're going to be talking about triggers this episode. Um, we last covered triggers uh, approximately three and a half years ago on <laughs> in episode 134 titled The Wonderful Thing About Triggers. Um, yeah, is, you the, c- is the triggers are wonderful things. Are they, though? Just, uh, I would encourage, after you listen to this episode, go back and listen to that one, because I believe Jess sang the song. Ooh. I mean, I might have. I don't know if there were lyrics beyond the, the wonderful thing about triggers is that triggers are a wonderful thing. You might have, you might have sung it afterwards. Maybe, maybe we could have you sing again, um, just to make sure that we get it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right. Worth, worth a shot. Okay. Um, I forgot what I was going to say about triggers. But uh, the I went to look up the the name of the old episode, and I don't know why I was surprised that that was the name, but I was just proud and slightly disappointed that I don't think we have another good uh, title for this yeah. one. I yeah. Um, so- oh oh, I remember I remember what I was going to say. Oh. I am frustrated that we have to talk about this uh, because of my 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 favorite pet peeve of. Everything is a trigger, mm-hmm. but but now I have but now we have this episode to refer people to. Yes, and that is a wonderful thing about JudgeCast is exactly. that we have this this giant library of things. When you really want to win an argument or just prove someone <laughs> wrong, you can bring up our sultry voices and have them explain to the person why they're wrong. Sultry certainly is a word for it. Sultry, so for for variable degrees of sultry. 
Um, there's a little slide bar, and he can. All right. So what's a what's a tr- what's a trigger? Well, they are abilities that have a trigger condition um, and an effect. So a thing happens, which leads to another thing happening. They are generally phrased as starting with when, whenever, or at, followed by the condition or event, um, and fo- and then comma, whatever effect. Yeah. So where 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 Bergen was talking, how one of, one of the things when when players are talking that everything's a trigger. Uh, no, it's it's actually very specific things are actually triggers, and the the words that you look for, like Broken said, are when, whenever, and at, not as this enters the battlefield or if this enters the battlefield. Those aren't trigger words. It's when, whenever, and at. Well, there are a few triggered abilities that are keywords that may not have that you know sure. specifically stated, but it'll be in their rules text for for that ability. Yeah, right. So, like an example of a of a of a trigger f- phrase is something like, "Whenever a creature dies, gain one life." That's a trigger. It's whenever a thing happens, comma, do this other thing. So, uh, triggers, <laughs> triggers trigger. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is going to be one of those words that we so, so, say so many times in this episode. It's going to start just, to lose meaning. It's going to lose all meaning by the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, triggers trigger automatically when a game event or a game state matches the trigger condition. Okay. So if it's whenever you discard a card or whenever you lose life, you know, those are the, the, the events that cause the thing to trigger. Now, what's interesting is it doesn't yet go on the stack. Uh, Right. The, the, let's, let's say, um, your, I'll say you've got us, you've got an, a spell or an effect that says whenever a player discards a card, they take two damage. Okay. And then I play a spell that says discard a card, draw two cards. Okay. When I discard that card, the trigger effect happens. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to draw my two cards. I'm still in the middle of resolving that spell. So the trigger condition was met and that trigger is just kind of going to sit over in the ether somewhere. It's, and it's not going to interrupt your currently resolving right. thing. So I'm going to discard my card. Trigger event happens over here to the side. I'm going to draw my two cards and then before any player can get priority goes on the stack. Um, so are triggers like spells? Can you, you know, uh, can you, can you cast a trigger? Nope. No. Uh, they are neither cast nor activated. Um, so they're going to trigger even when it isn't legal to cast spells or activated abil- activate abilities. So, namely, when you don't have priority or in the middle of something else resolving. Um, and mm-hmm. because of that, they can still happen um, when something is being morphed or uh, with split second. Right. So if there's a if there's an effect that says you can't cast spells. Well, things can still trigger. Or if there's an effect that says you can't activate abilities, things can still trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so abilities trigger each time the event occurs. So if I have an effect that says, you know, gain one life each time a creature dies, it's on an enchantment, and then 15 creatures die, mm-hmm. I'm going to be gaining 15 life. Um, yep. Now there's a, there's a, uh, <clears throat> there's an interesting thing that comes with that that, that, I don't think we have listed, so I'm going to mention it now. Uh, and that is the a weird thing with lifelink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that damage 
is dealt all at once. So if you had something that says, uh, whenever uh, you gain life, or whenever you gain life, uh, so if you have something that says whenever you gain life and you attack with a bunch of creatures with lifelink, you will get a bunch of triggers for each creature. But if your opponent had a trigger that said whenever you, you know, whenever you take damage, they would only get that trigger once. Uh, because even though damage is a single event, lifelink is considered several different events. Yeah. Uh, there's also, uh, some, some cards that say something <laughs> along the lines of, um, oh, wait, that's a little bit later in the, that's, that's like three bullets down in the show notes. I'll wait until then. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, whenever, whenever a creature dies, will trigger multiple times from, uh, um, Kaya's wrathing multiple creatures. <laughs> See the old the old episode. This is this is me ripping from our old show notes. The old one said just like Wrath of God or something. And see, I I I, I made it newer and fresher and updated, like Runeclaw Bear, for example. Yes, you gotta stay Runeclaw hip. Bear. You gotta stay hip. <laughs> um, and this is these uh. So the whenever a creature dies, um, triggers. There's also some triggers that are worded slightly differently that are like. When, uh, whenever one or more something happens, and that is a way that they've worded some abilities recently to not give you a million triggers. Like, um, right, whenever you gain one or more life, or- right? Or whenever one or more something enters your graveyard, it's if you mill. Uh, there's a there's a Sidisi card that does this. That's like whenever one or more creatures enters your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, make a zombie. Um, that way you don't yeah. get a million zombies. You just get the one if they're entering at the same time. Yeah. Uh, some some triggers uh, use the word becomes. Some such like you know when this creature becomes when this equipment becomes attached or whenever this creature becomes blocked. Uh, that will only happen when that uh named ev- when that named event happens when it becomes attached or becomes blocked. Um. If it's, uh, it's not going to trigger if something already has that state. So, like, if he says, whenever a creature becomes tapped, gain a life. If I have a tapped creature already and something would try to tap it, it doesn't become tapped again. So that things, you know, that effect's not going to trigger. Um, there's also a distinction on some creatures where it says, whenever this creature becomes blocked versus whenever this creature is blocked by a creature, by another creature. Those actually are yes, slightly. Those are, those are functionally different. different. Yeah. So whenever whenever this creature becomes blocked, is it's going from a state of not blocked to blocked. Okay. Um, or the the turn based action of blockers blockers are assigned. So that happens one time regardless of the number of blockers. If it says whenever this creature becomes blocked by a creature, well, if I blocked with three creatures, well, it became blocked by a creature three times. So I would get three triggers. What if something enters oh, yeah. the battlefield blocking? Um, it is blocked. Let's. Hmm. I believe it's that it counts become, become. Is it become it, blocked? The, the creature was not yeah. declared as a blocker, but if something cares about whether or not it became blocked, then it did become mm-hmm. blocked. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. Ooh. So here's 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 a fun one. That that seems completely out of the blue. Here's a rule about <laughs> just triggers. Co- just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird. If a trigger condition is met, okay, but the object with the triggered ability is at no time visible to all the players, 
that that ability does not trigger. And so you immediately you're like, well, wh- what? <laughs> um, so <laughs> if a triggered condition is met, but the object with the triggered ability is at no time visible to all the players, that ability does not trigger. Um, so, so something's think, face down. Yeah, I I think this is kind of like one of those covered CYA type rules. But I think if a if a card has like the ability to trigger, or or maybe you on a on a on a morph card, or no, that's it just doesn't exist. Yeah, but it's if, the like, same object, but yeah. Well, I think this is if you've got a card that's like face down in exile, and it has an ability that triggers from exile. No one can see that. Or not anyone, or the opponent can't because it's face down. You might have an effect that lets you look at it, but if you can't see it, then it just no, it doesn't exist. So it, if, it can't if, happen, if, right? If everybody can't see the trigger happen, uh, then it doesn't happen. You don't get to just be like, "Hey, that card right there lets me gain four life." You don't get to bluff your triggers, right? It says, <laughs> "Whenever I, whenever I make a snarky comment, comment, I gain four life." And you say, "Like, hold on, I need to see that card." No, no, the card's in my hand. You, you can't. I'm not going to show you what's in my hand. You just got to trust me. I want to play unrolls that way now. <laughs> All my ungames. I just get to make up abilities of cards. Yes. Whenever I decide I want to gain four life, I gain four life. Right. Well, yeah. What card lets you do that? Oh, that card face down in exile over there. Well, can I see it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, is the next thing the thing you were going to say earlier? No, I already said the thing. It was about becomes blocking. Got it. Becomes blocked. But you can say the thing. I will. Um, okay. It, this may seem obvious, but it may not. Um, abilities will only trigger if the trigger event actually occurs and not if it's replaced by something else. So right. um, if I have a rest in peace such that um, all my creatures creatures are not dying, they're going into exile, uh, My whenever a creature dies trigger will not happen because my creature's do not actually die. Yeah, which die, die is rule shorthand for goes to the graveyard from the battlefield. Enters the graveyard. Or enters the battlefield. battlefield, right. And rest in peace kind of shunts it over to exile. That mm-hmm. act of dying um, is being replaced, and so the trigger will not trigger. So this is this is actually a little, a little weird um, uh, effect with, with rest in peace. So if I have... Rest in peace out that says, you know, if a Carter token would be put into the graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. And I have a, uh, uh, or you have a card rather that says when you discard a card, take two damage. And then I have to discard for some reason. I'm discarding the card, but rest in peace is causing it to go to exile instead of the graveyard. I still discarded the card. Discard. Discard. Yes, discard. Discard right here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's going to exile. I still, even though it's it's a little weird, discarding means put the card from your hand in the graveyard. Dies means put the card in the graveyard. But in one case, it doesn't actually trigger it. In another other case, it does. Um, so your your discard example, will I still take the damage? Yes, because you, you did discard that card. The discarding is taking the card out of your hand and putting it into normally <laughs> normally the graveyard but rest in peace is like no discarding uh, is not fundamentally dependent on the card hitting your graveyard yes uh whereas um putting a card into the graveyard from the battlefield uh which is what dying is 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 specifically looking for it to hit the graveyard i know it's confusing but 
It's not that confusing. Like destroying a creature does the same thing uh, in that it puts it in the graveyard. And so if a creature was destroyed with rest in peace on the battlefield, it is still destroyed. And things, you know, if you had something that was that triggered off of creatures being destroyed, which we don't, yeah. I don't think, it would still function correctly. It's, I think it's that's the, the distinction is that, that dies, dies isn't just like an instruction to put it into the graveyard, like discarding. It's actually the act of moving it from the, the battlefield to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. I think we have talked about dying a lot. Yeah. A, um, so it has, let's talk about when, morbid. which <laughs> is also an ability related to dying. Great. So when we, when we, <laughs> uh, have something tr- trigger, when does it actually get put on the stack? Well, uh, triggers get put on the stack the next time a player would re- receive priority. Yes, it is uh, put on the stack the next time a player would receive priority after, uh, well, after nothing, really. Then then, <laughs> uh, then state-based actions are checked. If either of those things happen, we go through the loop again. Uh, oh, I yeah. don't know if there's a situation where a trigger could cause another trigger to occur, or rather where putting a trigger on the stack would cause another trigger to occur, but if it would, the rules yeah. can handle it. Um, if... Uh, I think if a if a creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, mm. and like if the trigger being put on the stack forces you to choose a target for something that has a trigger that when it becomes a target of, so triggering triggering can cause other triggers in. I've said that word too many times. Jeez. So so yeah, I like it. To to explain that a little bit more. Okay, thank um, you. <laughs> I said the word so many times I got myself confused. If you have a Let's let's say uh, you have, like Brian said, something that is impacted by uh, has a triggered ability when it becomes the target of a spell or ability. I have another trigger that says whenever you deal combat damage, uh, give target plus one target creature a plus one plus one counter. That tar- when I choose that target, that is going to cause another ability to trigger. If that makes right. sense, yep. yeah. So we would then we would then loop back through this process of of triggers and state based actions, and we would um, repeat we would repeat until no more state based actions are checked, right? And no more triggers are put on the stack, right? And uh, and then we would uh, th- then a player actually gets priority and can do stuff. Now, when you put a trigger on the stack, it becomes the topmost object on the stack, just like everything else that goes on the stack. And if you have more than one trigger that has triggered off of the same event, um, you choose the order they go on the stack. If players, if multiple players have triggers that go on the stack at the same time, then the active player will put all of their triggers on the stack. And then the next active player will put their triggers on the stack until we no longer have, uh, until we no longer have players that need to put them on the stack. And by next active player, I mean in a two-player game, the non-active player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, and then the game checks uh, checks again for state-based actions and then triggered abilities and, and so on and so forth. Repeat ad nauseum until there's nothing left to repeat. Ad nauseum um, is a different card. Yeah, well, I, I want to repeat it. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and then, yeah, then the, the, all those triggers are on the stack. Now, uh, they stay on the stack until they're countered, resolved, something removes it from the stack, etc. Um, so, like, if a target becomes illegal, it leaves the stack. Just like spells. If what you if- listen to our episode on casting spells, 
I, I hope we talked about that in that episode. I'm not actually sure off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Sure we did. Um, the object, the, the, the ability, the object that goes on the stack, um, that object itself is not a card. It has the text of the ability that created it and has no other characteristics in that it doesn't have a color, a card name, um, things like a, a, a type. It has mm-hmm. it has no additional characteristics. So, so let me let me ask this: so, as the card the the trigger has no color. Okay, yep, that's correct. But, Technically correct. Yes. The best kind of correct. The <laughs> the best kind of correct. So let's let's cl- let's clarify this this technically correct thing. So mm-hmm. there's a trigger on the stack from a red. You know, we'll say from a, a six mana red enchantment because you know those those have like the best triggers, right? That's true. They do. So. The trigger's gonna, the trigger's gonna do something wacky and it's gonna hit like a bunch of my creatures for, for four damage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I then play something that gives my creatures protection from red. Does that mean that this no longer, you know, I, I'm not actually protecting them because the trigger doesn't have any color. So giving it protection from red doesn't do anything. No, the way protection works and hexproof and so on, uh, protects you from being targeted by spells of that color. And triggered and activated abilities from sources of that color. Yeah. Uh, so if the source, in this case, the six mana red enchantment is red and your creatures have protection from red or hexproof from red, then, uh, they, they can't be the targets of the, of that ability and they can't take damage from it either. Mm-hmm. Well, they can, they can in the case of, uh, hexproof from red, but not from damage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and there even. Was a- I knew the reason for it doing that at one point, and that's something that I've forgotten. So any listeners that can remember why uh, they don't have color on the stack, you know, you know, shoot us a tweet, send us an email, a carrier pigeon. I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. That's a new one. Yeah. Actually, a carrier pigeon would be kind of sweet, but that would require giving our address. Never mind. No carrier uh, pigeons. I, I would assume that it has to do with uh, old cards that change the colors of permanence if you cast it in mm. response um, then you've changed the source color, um, which would not work correctly if you, uh, if you, if the ability itself had a color. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that might. But be. I don't, I don't know that for sure. But that's, that would be my like immediate guess. Anyway, um, cool. Uh, let's see here, we did app and app order. Did we talk about triggers being modal? Uh, nope. We did not talk about that. Nor did we talk about who controls the triggers. Oh, um, who does control the trigger. Whoever controls the trigger controls the world. Yes. Um, triggers are controlled by the person who controlled the source of that trigger at the time yes. that it triggered. So if I enchant you with a captive audience, even though I own captive audience, because you control a captive mm-hmm, audience, mm-hmm. Uh, those are your triggers. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Have fun. I love it. Uh, unless it is a delayed trigger, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Yeah. I like delayed triggers a lot, actually. But uh, mo- what were you going to say about modal spells, Brian? Or modal things, well, Brian? Well, I was going to say uh, that some triggers are modal. Like it captive says, audience. Yeah. Captive mm-hmm. audience is a great example that says, says whenever, whenever X event happens, choose one of the following. And it gives you this nice little bullet point list, like you're looking at a little mini PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and, and you get to, and you get to pick one. Um, 
the modes are picked when the ability goes on the stack, just like casting a spell. If you're casting a, a spell that has modes, as you're casting the spell, you announce which modes. When you're putting a trigger on the stack that has modes, you're going to pick pick your favorite, um, which I think a captive audience, what is one of those uh, uh, discard your hand, give your Yes, discard eight. your hand, uh, your life total becomes, I think, four. Yeah. and uh, And your opponent gets... Some ridiculous like, number of zombies. Eight, I think eight five zombies. zombies or yeah. I, I, I don't know what the number is. I just know that it's enough that I need Kaya's Wrath. A ludicrous number of like, zombies. Yes, they have gone to plaid with zombies. So it is five five zombies. Five zombies, okay. Yeah. So when I say pick your favorite, I can actually mean pick your least not favorite. Pick the one you hate the least. Yes, pick the one that you hate the least. Um and then uh um if if no mode can be chosen for whatever reason, uh the ability is gonna be removed from the stack. So if like all three of the modes have targets and there's no valid targets, then it's just gonna go it's just gonna go on the stack and then bounce off. Mm-hmm. Well there also captive audience is a great example of that because you can't choose a mode you've already chosen, so after yep. the last mode's been chosen, it you can't choose any more modes. Right. They've actually gotten really good, or I, I think most uh, most modals right now where you have to, like, choose uh, have, like, the ability to do something. Like, you can get something out of it. One of the modes will work, uh, is phrased like, so it doesn't need a target or something along those lines. Um, but that's a, that's more of a templating thing than a rules thing. You mean in, in that they're typically written such that you can... Always choose at least one of them. Yeah. Makes sense. In in just about every other way, I think putting a trigger on the stack is just like casting a spell. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as choosing the targets go uh, and dividing any effects and so on. Um, um, another small thing about the timing of triggers. Um, if you have any th- uh, triggered abilities that say at the beginning of whatever step or phase... That is the first thing that happens in that stepper phase. You do not get priority before those happen or before they go in the stack. Right. So so the big one is like if your opponent has something that does something awful to you during your upkeep, the old classic example is karma that deals damage to you during your upkeep equal to the number of swamps you control. Uh, you will not have the ability to to untap when you untap. You know, the next thing that happens is upkeep. That effect is going to be on the stack. You can't, like, now that you've got your mana, like, kill it before uh, before that trigger goes on the stack. Because you don't get priority during untap. Right. And so it's it's already on the stack before you get an opportunity to do anything except make the sad trombone sound. <laughs> that, uh, uh, much like uh, Sphinx of Jawar Isle lets you do, uh, uh, you can make sad trombone sound at any time. Ugh. Right, anytime you want, sad trombone. In response, I'll look at the top of my deck. That's the other <laughs> thing people no, say that no, I hate. No, um, I can even I can even sad trombone that faster than you can look at the top of your library. <laughs> womp womp. All right. Um, I think we've said everything we need to say about sort of the timing of triggers and sort of the characteristics about triggers in general. I think we want to move on to different types of triggers. Yeah, the trigger with the intervening if clause. If you listen to our pre-release episodes, you know how much we love. Oh the man, we if talk. Clause. We it's talk true. about these all, all the time. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So an intervening if trigger is is going to be a trigger that's that's phrased uh, when something ha- happens. If something else is true, do a thing. So, for example, uh, Valakut the Molten Pinnacle says, when Valakut the Molten... I'm sorry, whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control, comma. if you could... Comma. If you control at least uh, five other mountains, Valakut the Molten Pinnacle deals three damage to target creature or player. I'm sorry, any target. To any target. Thanks, Aretta. <laughs> um, and uh, there are two parts to that triggered ability. So it has to enter the battlefield. That's the first part of its trigger condition. And the second part is that you have to have five other mountains in play at the same time. Uh, if both of those things are not true, the ability does not trigger. But there's there's a second part of that. And that is that that second, that, that, that clause that says, uh, if you control at least five other mountains, uh, if that stops being true before the ability resolves, then you won't get to deal the damage. The ability will just be removed from the stack. Uh, mm-hmm. So so if, if I play a mountain and it is my sixth mountain, and in response to the triggered ability, you destroy one of my other mountains, then when the ability resolves, I will not have five other mountains and the ability will not deal any damage. Uh, Bless. Yes, Con- that's... Conversely, you, you can't, like, if you have... Four other, if you play a mountain and you have four other mountains, okay, and then you go and then you try to do something in response to that trigger by like cracking a fetch or something like that to get another mountain onto the battlefield before it resolves, uh, that doesn't work either, uh, because the intervening if clause checks at the beginning. So, uh, let me, let me use another card to, to illustrate that idea a little bit better. Uh, Thopter Spy Network says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control an artifact, create a 1 1 colorless Thopter. Okay. We said at the beginning of your upkeep, the very first thing that happens is this trigger goes on the stack. It's going to check to see if you have another artifact. If you control an artifact when the trigger is going on the stack, you can't like put the trigger on the stack and then create uh, an artifact or get an artifact on the battlefield somehow so that when this goes to resolve, it's there. Because it's never going to trigger in the first place. Because it never, yeah, it never went on the stack in the first place. This is when Jess was saying like both have to be true. Uh-huh. It's, it's, this is the condition. If this is true, then you get to put it on the, the, the good goods on the stack. <laughs> so there is, there is a, there are some triggered abilities that, uh, have the word if in them that are not intervening if clauses. Uh, what? So if you watch out for that, an intervening if clause will always be phrased in a way that says, uh, when this happens or at this point in time, uh, if something else is true, do a thing. Sometimes you'll see something that says at the beginning of your upkeep, do this thing if you have more creatures than your opponent or something along those lines. That's not an intervening if clause. It's a little bit different. It still triggers. And that kind of thing you can respond to in the way Brian was describing to make make the effect. Uh, so an example that comes to mind is Triumph of Ferocity. Mm. Uh, That's that green Garricky enchantment from Avacyn Restored, right? Yes, it's the enchantment with the extremely unfortunate art. Uh, and the text so on says, the card. 
Oh, God. Says, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if you control the creature with the greatest power or tied for the greatest power. Visibility triggers even if you don't control the creature with the greatest power. So you could respond to the trigger with a pump spell to make the if part true. That's not a trigger with an intervening if clause. Um, intervening if clause- clauses will generally have like a phrase followed by the if followed by another comma and that to do the thing. Yeah, there's like a little comma sandwich where the comma is the bread. So it's yeah. condition, comma, if, thingy, comma, the do effect. Thingy. So the Yeah, well, I, I say that because if you take the, the if condition between those two commas, if you lift it straight out, the trigger becomes better. It's probably an intervening if. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. How much at the beginning of your upkeep, create a 1-1 one, one colorless thopter. That sounds awesome. At the beginning of your upkeep, comma, if you control an artifact, comma, create a 1-1. One, one. Sad. Yeah, that's less good. Thopter Y network, am I right? <laughs> well, I would like to move <laughs> on to something that players like to have a lot of problems with, and that's triggers with May in them. Oh, yeah, it's not a May trigger. But it's not a May. It's not a May. What if it's, uh, a, ben, what if it's a Ben trigger? Ooh, Spider-Man reference, I like Yes. It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Jess? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just like in the tank and whether or not I could force a Gwen Stacy joke in there. All right. So <laughs> nice try. This is, this is uh, triggered abilities that say you may do something. Uh, for example, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may draw a card uh, is a thing you can choose not to do. But the triggered ability still goes on the stack. Uh, as as anyone that played MTG Arena uh, two months ago will be aware. Right, with Johnny's Pride Mate. It still goes on the stack. <laughs> you still have to click yes or no a bunch of times uh, if it goes on the stack a lot. Now, um, basically, this is a thing that, that rarely matters in Paper Magic, but it does have to go on the stack. About the only time that this is going to matter is if something on the battlefield cares about whether or not it becomes the target of something. Yep. Uh, in which case you can end up in a situation where they, somebody might have to target something they don't want to, uh, because this triggered ability still has to go on the stack. Yeah, I think I think the 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 example of that uh, that we might have even used in the last episode is uh, I think it's uh, Lorthos the Tide Maker, which is like a giant <laughs> octopus from one of the I think from Zendikar or something, where mm-hmm. it's when the when this attacks, uh, you know, uh, you may you may pay eight. Um, uh, and if you do, you tap eight target creatures. Well, you still may- had to choose eight creatures. Yeah, you still had to choose, you still had to target eight creatures. And then when it came time to pay the eight, you could be like, eh, nah, but um, it's still, but it still made you target those eight things. That sort of trigger, um, just as a note for newer cards is generally worded in a slightly different way to avoid having to choose all those triggers, but we will talk about that later. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So that is the Aunt May triggers. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. She she knows she knows he's Spider Man. Mm-hmm. What? Does she? Yeah. Is it the end of uh, Spider Man Homecoming? She walked in while he was in his uh, Spider Man feety pajamas. Oh snap! Yeah. Spoilers, Brian. It's like a year old. Yeah, I know. It's, you know. Um. Well. 
<laughs> related um, to similar triggers um, to May triggers, where you still had, had to had to choose things whether or not you intended to act, or they will still happen whether or not you intend to to do them. Um, there are some triggers that say unless in them that are unless something is true or unless a player chooses to do something, um, they're still going to go on the stack even if you choose to do the thing that they are asking you to do. I am having a hard time thinking of an example. Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But basically, the the unless piece is managed when you're resolving the ability. It doesn't stop the ability from happening. Right. Yep. All right, well, next up, we have uh, zone change triggers. So uh, whenever something triggers because it changed zones... Uh, then we have uh, what's referred to as a zone change trigger. Uh, so the, the most common of these is when something enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield, which includes things dying. Uh, so if if, uh, if something dies and then it has a zone change trigger, like it's going to, you know, if something dies and says, you know, whatever this dies, return it to the battlefield. That's a great example. Kitchen Finks has an ability that says... Uh, when this dies, if it had no plus one plus one counters on it, return it to the battlefield. Or had no minus one minus one counters on it, return it to the battlefield with a minus one minus one counter. Um, that's a zone change trigger. Now, normally when a, an object goes to the graveyard, it's a new object in the graveyard. And the only reason that this ability can find the new object that Kitchen Finks became in the graveyard is because we have these special rules for zone change objects, which include that, uh, that it can look and find out what that what that new object is in the graveyard or whatever zone it went to and then, and then drag it back and do whatever it needs to do with it. Pull it back Uh, or do whatever needs to happen. Right. Uh, However, if it's not able to find it in that zone that it went to, uh, that part of the ability that's, that's trying to do something with it won't do anything. Uh, So if it has changed zones since then, so like, let's say somebody exiled that kitchen finks in response to the ability, it's not going to come back to the battlefield from the exile zone. Mm-hmm. Right, and there, there's there's some some weirdness. Um, uh, whereas if it says something like uh, you know, with 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 kitchen thing specifically, uh, it says when it dies. Okay, so when it goes to the graveyard. So if you replace it, if you replace going to the graveyard, like if you have a uh, rest in peace or something like that, that that sends it off to exile and it never gets to the graveyard, the persistibility is never going to 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 trigger. But there are some cases where zone change triggers look for the object wherever it goes. And by that, I mean, um, there's a card called uh, It That Betrays. Mm. Okay. Um, it That Betrays says, whenever opponent sacrifices a, a non-token of permanent, put that card into the battlefield under your control. So it's going to, you know, it's going to sacrifice. It goes to the graveyard and then, you know, say the sacrifice, so you get the trigger. So you get to go, you get to go get it. Okay, seems a lot like Kitchen Finks. Okay, Kitchen Finks died and Persist is going to pull it back out of the graveyard. But in this particular case, it's it's different because the sacrificing is a is a is a zone change trigger. It's it's leaving the battlefield. Uh, the Patrice is going to look for that creature wherever it ended up. Okay, so uh, like Kitchen Finks, if you sacrifice the creature, it goes to the graveyard, and then you remove that creature, send it to exile. Uh, it that betrays ability is not going to be able to find the creature and pull it back. That's just like Kitchen Finks. However, if you have a rest in peace, it's when you sacrifice the creature instead of going to the graveyard, it's going to go to exile. 
In that particular case, uh, Ithebetre's ability will be able to find the creature and mm-hmm. in exile and then go yank it out and put it back on the battlefield. And everyone's happy except your opponent. <laughs> we can actually go, we can actually go slightly deeper. Ooh, uh, let's if go they, on. If they, if this sequence of events happens and whatever it is you sacrificed is in the exile zone because of your rested piece, uh, with that triggered ability on the stack, if it would, if it somehow would go to the exile zone again. So for example, <laughs> so for example, I cast pull from eternity on this creature, which would put it in my graveyard from the exile zone. But if it would go to the graveyard, it goes to the exile zone. So it doesn't actually leave the exile zone. It does, however, become a new object in the exile zone. And if the betrays will not be able to find it because it is not, it is not the same object yeah, that it was looking for. It's not for. going to fo- right. follow it through another zone change. There, right. A, Even if that zone change is just the same zone. To the, the same place. This yeah. ridiculous rule is if you were to exile an exiled card, it stays in exile. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just, <laughs> it's just a new object in the exile. This is, this is one of those rules that if you're, if you're going super deep and you're reading the CR and you encounter that, you're like, what? Excuse me, what? <laughs> what? Right. Why would this ever possibly exist? And really it boils down to people like Jess like to find these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the reason really, why this rule exists, Jess dunks. Um, it's related not true. to something <laughs> not explicitly true. No, it's implicitly um, true. Related to something we mentioned earlier, uh, but sort of connecting these two things, uh, if there's something that, at, like, as whatever enters the battlefield, um, that is changing a zone, but it's not a trigger, it's a replacement effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be so, careful with that. A best example in current standard is probably the Shocklands. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Hallowed Fountain says that as it enters the battlefield... Uh, you may pay two life if you don't and enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, that is that is modifying how that card is entering the battlefield, but it is right. not it's, a trigger. It's importantly not a trigger, because if it was a trigger, then you would be able to tap it for mana in response to the ability, and You'd that would be, be awkward. be able to respond to it. Uh, and we don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. I do. I want to be able to do that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be very, cool. very good. Right. So I've already tapped it, and now I get to decide whether or not I want to take the two damage to have it not be tapped. I think I'll, I think I'll just let it be tapped. Yeah, that seems I think fine. I'm, I think I'm fine with this. Um, is there anything else we'd like to say about zone changes? Uh, yeah. Um, so there is um, a a an ability that's uh, when it talks about zone changes that that talks about. From anywhere, it uses those exact words. It says, when we talk about whenever a card is put into the graveyard. Uh, from the battlefield, whenever a creature dies, whenever a thing is sacrificed. There's some cards that say whenever a card is put into the graveyard from anywhere. And those are, those are magic words from anywhere. Those are never treated as a zone change trigger. Um, I think we're gonna, do we go into why, uh, what the difference between leaves the battlefield triggers in a little bit, or should we talk about that now? I don't understand what it is you want to talk about. Yeah, I, I also well, don't well, quite understand. Okay, so so the the difference the difference between uh goes to the graveyard from anywhere versus leaves the battlefield triggers with respect to how you look at the object. Uh I see. Okay. Uh, we talk about that. We talk about that. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later, but what I, what I want to illustrate is this the special phrasing and we'll get into this a little bit more later is 
triggers that say um, whenever uh, whenever a card goes to the battle, whenever a creature card goes to the battlefield, uh, goes, goes to, the to the graveyard, from, yeah, 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 goes to the graveyard from anywhere. Again, those are the keywords from anywhere. It is not a zone change trigger. It does not follow the rules of a zone change trigger. Um, and we'll we'll talk about and why that's why that's important is zone change triggers kind of have a tendency to like jump around temporally when they look at things like uh, uh, with respect to whether or not they they actually happen or, or what conditions they see uh, what effects they see that apply to those cards. So we'll talk to we'll talk about that in a little bit. I just wanted to highlight that before we talk about delayed trigger. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a delayed uh, response. Yes. Um, so oh, go ahead. Well, delayed triggers. Um, some a, another thing resolving may create a delayed trigger, and a delayed trigger is something that happens later, um, and that can be defined. It may be defined as far as there may be a duration on that later, and there may not be. Um, so they are created during the resolution of spells or other abilities as the result of a replacement effect being applied or as the result of a static ability that allow allows a player to take an action. So basically other things resolving will create, um, delayed triggers can create delayed triggers. Um, typically to know if something is a delayed trigger, they will contain when, whenever, or at, but they might not be at the start of whatever clause is, is creating them. Um, yeah. So, um, oftentimes delayed triggers are created by other triggered abilities. Yep. Uh, so a a lot of times these are just kind of cleanup effects. Like, you know, when Geist of St. Traft attacks, uh, put a four, four white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield, tap it attacking. And then it has an ability that says exile that creature at the, uh, at end of combat. Uh, right. Well, that's that's a delayed triggered ability, and it will trigger at the end of the combat step, and and people can, if they want to, interact with it in some way. And it is part of another trigger resolving that creates this additional trigger that happens later. Yes. Um. If a so, this is a little odd to explain. Um, a delayed trigger will not apply until the ability has actually been created, even if the thing that would trigger it has already happened. It's not going to look back at um, things that happened before the ability that created it actually resolved. Um, So if your delayed trigger says when whatever leaves the battlefield and the thing leaves the battlefield before the ability actually resolves, it's not going to then trigger again if that makes sense uh i I think i think where this will come up most frequently is probably things that exile stuff at the end of the turn uh so if if the if the creature never actually gets created or if the creature is already gone it cannot then be exiled i was actually thinking if the ability creates the creature in the end step we've Uh, we've passed the point um uh where where it would have triggered, so it will not yeah. trigger this turn because uh, the ability wasn't created. The ability, the delayed triggered ability, wasn't created at the time the end of turn step started. Um, mm-hmm. So the next end of turn step that rolls around, it will trigger because because that's how that trigger works. But uh, it's not going to look back in time and be like, no, 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 we're in the end step now. I got to do this thing. Or oh, I got I got it. Um, 
if you're casting uh if you're casting a spell that says something like uh when you cast the next spell this like the spell itself says when you cast the next spell do x and then while that effect is on the stack so before it's resolved you cast another spell that uh, that that trigger yeah. hasn't that that ability creating that trigger hasn't resolved yet so it's not going to see that spell that you just cast and say oh well that's the next spell i get my trigger so if i have something that says um when you cast an the next spell you cast this turn, copy it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I cast another spell in response to my my first one, yep. my my first spell doesn't see me casting the next one, right. and thus I don't get the copy. Right. You'd get that on the next next spell mm-hmm. you cast. Next plus after, one. After it resolves. After yes. the original spell resolves. Right. Um, and delayed triggers will... will Sit around waiting to to happen essentially forever or until the end of their duration. Like many of them are this turn, right? Um, and they'll generally only happen once. Yeah, most most triggers nowadays actually have a, a duration. Back in ye old days, uh, they would occasionally have delayed triggers that just kind of last for a long time. And what what they found is that creates some memory issues. I believe uh, that. When, yeah, when when delayed triggers can actually kind of be sitting out there in the ether for turns, and you forget about them and, completely, yeah, they they become like super easy to forget. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, uh, oh, go ahead. A as a another thing about this, um, if a delayed trigger refers to a particular object, um, like the Geist of Saint Traft Angel token, for example. It will apply to that object even if it changes characteristics. Um, so even if it's not an angel anymore, even if it's been, it's now red and a goblin for some reason, it's still that same object. So it's still going to get exiled. Mm-hmm. Um, or if there's, or, um, but it will not apply if that object has become a different object. For example, the, the token wouldn't be relevant for this, but if there's a creature, if it leaves the battlefield and comes back, it's a totally different object and won't be won't apply to that one. Uh, the next the next type of trigger is game state triggers. Game state triggers are triggers that uh, trigger off a game state instead of an event. Whenever uh, you know what is it? It would be like if you you know if you uh, the typical example is dark depths. Uh, it says Dark Deaths has a uh, is a legendary land that has a bunch of ice counters on it. You can remove ice counters, and when when it doesn't have any ice counters on, you get a big twenty twenty indestructible, uh, not Eldrazi tentacle monster. Uh, not Eldrazi. Yeah, yeah. not definitely not, not an Eldrazi, guys. No, it is. It is. I wish they would retcon it so that it is an Eldrazi, or maybe have it should just show up and like whoop Emrakul's butt. But that's not. Um, but it has a trigger that says, "When dark depths has no ice counters on it, sacrifice it. If you do, get your twenty twenty beastie." Okay, so now this is kind of weird. So, so state triggers have some some special uh, the special logic. So this trigger is gonna gonna happen as soon as the game state is true. So the the instant dark depths has no ice counters on it, boom, that trigger is gonna go on the stack for you to sacrifice it. Okay, goes on the stack. We check state-based actions. Um, we check to see if there's any more triggers that go on the stack. And well, Dark Depths doesn't have any 
any ice counters on it. So that trigger's going to go on the stack. And then we're going to check state, you know, check to see if there's any triggers that need to go on again. And well, Dark Depths doesn't have any ice counters on it. So we're going to put that trigger on the stack. I see and, where you're going with this. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to repeat that. And that's until not, it's not how that works. I'm going to just keep putting that trigger on the stack over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Just until, repeatedly forever. Right. And there's no opportunity because no player's gotten any priority. Draws the game. No opportunity to interact with this. The game is a draw. So this card, Dark Depths, I don't know why it's so expensive because you just it draws the game. It draws the game. You sit there and you play it, and it's a it's a it's a thirty dollar forty dollar card that just draws the game. It's garbage. Brian. 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 Yeah. What? Brian. What? It doesn't draw the game. Doesn't draw the game. Conveniently, there's a rule for this. Oh. Huh. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, state triggers have an additional rule. Uh, I, I can't believe I forgot that. Um, this is why you uh, read the show notes, Brian. It is, it is. Well, I thought we were going to be talking about, like, you know, like Steam Flogger Boss and stuff like that. So, I, I understand. Like, I got, I got my gatherer window up. I'm all ready to talk about, you know, Steam Flogger Boss and Chipper Chopper and, uh, uh well, instead we're gar- talking about uh, dark variations depths. of garbage elementals but no um so um there's a rule that says a state trigger once it gets added to the stack it it's not going to trigger again until it resolves or is countered or leaves the stack in some other way then it can trigger again if it's still true but in the case of dark deaths you got to sacrifice it so it isn't going to be around so it's going to go on the stack um now, what's cool about it is if somebody, like, stifles it so that the trigger doesn't happen, well, as soon as that stifle resolves, it's, whoop, it's going to come right back. As long as it still doesn't have counters on it. Right. And that's the sound effect makes, too, because Merit Lady is kind of adorable when it's trapped in ice. It just goes, whoop. Just goes, whoop. Yep. No, with a B. Ah, whoop. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. It's, 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 impor- the, it's important. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, the the... Game has to have a special rule so that it just doesn't keep trigger, 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 and, and, and cause and cause chaos. But again, that's something that one of the cool things about these these trigger rules is we're reading off a lot of this stuff. A lot of this stuff's just intuitive, right? Um, so, right, uh, because because if they weren't true, the game would be broken. Yep. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I mean there's, there's <laughs> like it works this way because if it worked the other way, it'd be dumb. The trigger, Brian would be correct, and Dark Depths would just be a, a have some free draws. Yeah, it'd be like the worst divine intervention ever. I don't even know what that is. It's an it's a old Legends enchantment that draws the game when counters come off. Great. Yeah, and that's all it does. Great. Yeah. Um. It's amazing. Related <laughs> to drawing, um, just putting this in here um there are some abilities that will trigger when a player loses the game they're gonna trigger when a player loses or leaves the game for any reason unless they are leaving the game as the result of a draw because they are not losing the game right what's our next uh type of type of triggers linked triggered abilities yeah the linked triggered abilities um they like to hang out with zelda Yes. Uh, uh, they don't like Ganondorf triggered abilities. Right. Oh. Right, exactly. And if you use your linked triggered abilities too much, uh, it shatters, and then you have to find another linked triggered ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have durability. Unless it's, unless it's the master linked triggered ability, and then you just have to wait a few minutes and it comes back. 
So with like triggered abilities, uh, basically you have a static ability that's attached to a triggered ability. Um, and we call those linked. This is basically where you combine abilities to one paragraph. I can only think of one card off the top of my head that does this, although there probably are more now. That is Karanos says, reveal the first card uh, you draw on each of your turns. Whenever you reveal a land card this way, draw a card. Uh, so this is, this is a, uh, this is a <laughs> static ability. I'm actually trying to figure out why this isn't lumped in with reflexive triggers, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, uh, this is a static ability that says reveal the first card you draw on each of your turns. And, uh, and then a triggered ability that says, well, when you do that and it's a land card, do this other thing too. So the first part is not a triggered ability. Revealing it is not something you can respond to, but you can respond to the triggered ability to draw a card. That's basically all we've got for that. But it's very close to reflexive triggered abilities, which are becoming, which are being uh, recognized more and more. Um, um, go ahead. For what it's worth, this is what I was saying earlier um, with, with Lorthos. If it were made now, would probably be worded more like this. Yes. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, reflexive triggered abilities are when a resolving spell or ability allows a player or instructs a player to take an action uh, and creates a triggered ability when a player does or doesn't take that action. Uh, what? So, yeah, that sounds really confusing. Um, so, uh, what is... There's an example a little bit lower. Yeah, no, there is, but I was trying to think of a, a different one. But So, uh, we have the card Dream Eater. Uh, Dream Eater says, when Dream Eater enters the battle- battlefield, surveil four. When you do, you may return target non-land permanent an opponent controls to its owner's hand. Uh, How do you feel about Heart Piercer Manticore? Uh, Heart Piercer Manticore, also a good one. Uh, but Hypothesizal was the one that came to my mind. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, but in the case of Dream Eater, which I just I just read, um, the reason that this is it matters that this is a reflexive trigger is because the player who is surveilling, because of the way this is this is worded gets to finish surveilling before they have to choose a target for that triggered ability. Uh, yep. Whereas if this were just a regular triggered ability, you know, surveil four and return target permanent to its owner's hand, you would have to choose the target when that entered the battlefield. In this case, you have a triggered ability that says when this enter battle enters the battlefield, surveil four, then you do that. And then after you do that, you get to do this other thing and you have to choose a target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi- Hypothesis is, is a card that, that got a lot of people when it first came out because at a, at a quick glance, so hypothesis says draw two cards, then you may discard a card or sorry, discard a non-land card. When you do hypothesis deals four damage to target creature. If you read that fast and this was 2015. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then what you would be doing is when you cast hypothesis, you would be targeting that creature to deal the four damage. At, right. at the time when, when, when you're doing when the you whole cast thing. it. So you're casting it, you're putting the trigger, you're putting the, the spell on the stack and you're saying, here's my target. Uh, I'm going to deal four to that. So now let me draw my two cards and discard a card. And one of the things is that's, that's a spell with a single target, which means if I can get rid of, or you can get rid of that creature that I targeted to deal four damage to, I don't get to draw my two cards because the spell gets countered. Mm-hmm. So hypothesis by saying draw two cards, then you may discard a card if you do. It deals four damage to target creature. That means I'm going to draw the two cards. I'm going to discard a card. And now I get to pick what I target. 
mm-hmm. after I've already drawn those two cards and get to see. And you can't sack that creature to keep me from drawing my two cards. So this is reflexive triggers is super, super cool technology, but definitely it means in environments where you've got a mix of old cards and new cards, you know, read the card because you, you are now, we're, we're getting, we're going to start seeing these reflexive triggers more and more. And so you can't necessarily just take a, take the old heuristics that you used to use, uh, in figuring out what a card did. That, so uh, read it. that when you do phrase is a, is a good thing to look out for, for reflexes, reflexive triggers. Yep. It's got one of the magic words when. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. That's, that's, uh, that's, that is the newest, uh, newest type of trigger on the block. <laughs> so, so let's, let's jump back and talk about like, like when triggers, like what, the, what they look at and when they're, when they're checked and, and how that relates to things entering and leaving the battlefield. Okay. We talked a little bit about zone change triggers a bit ago. Yeah. We could do that quickly. Yeah. Uh, so normally, uh, objects, uh, uh, they exist immediately after an event or check to see if the event matches a trigger condition. So, you know, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, so a creature just entered the battlefield, uh, right after it enters the battlefield, I have a trigger that says, Hey, did it enter the battlefield? Yes, it did. Hey, there you go. Um, they look at continuous effects. So if I have, uh, uh an anthem effect out of some, some sort, uh, and I cast a two, two creature, it's going to enter the battlefield as a 3-3. If I have something that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield with power 3 or greater, it's checking after it's on the battlefield. Cool. We look at the object to determine if, if things trigger immediately after the event happens. Okay. <laughs> this, now, this is where things get start getting weird. Um, leaves the battlefield triggers. Okay. Look at the object immediately before the event. <laughs> Okay, so so enters the battlefield, the event happened, and then we check to see if it met the trigger condition. Leaves the battlefield triggers, and this is why I was making such a big deal about the the from anywhere. Leaves the battlefield triggers actually check right before. So if I have this 2-2 creature on the battlefield that's got the plus one plus one from the Gaia's anthem, and it and it dies, well, it dies, it's in the graveyard, it's now a 2-2 in the graveyard. Okay. But if I have an effect that says whenever a creature with power three or greater dies, okay, well, well, what just happened was I had a creature go to the, if I check after the event, after the event that made it die, it's a two, two in the graveyard. Okay. So I wouldn't get my trigger, but the rules say, no, 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 no. For this special type of trigger, for a leaves the battlefield trigger, just let's, let's, let's get in our DeLorean and go back <laughs> about Five seconds, put the banana peels in the, in the Mr. Fusion, get the flux oh, capacitor going. I got some, got some Back to the Future 2 going on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Marty, we gotta do something about your kids. Um, what? So we go back about five seconds, uh, to, to the single pine mall. Um, and we, we check to see what the, what the creature was right before it left the battlefield, which in that particular case, it was a 3-3. So our effect would trigger. Now, where that makes a difference and why I was making a big deal about, uh, when it leaves the battlefield, uh, or from anywhere, or when it goes to the graveyard from anywhere, those behave similarly to the, to the enter the battlefield trigger. They check after the event happened. They look at the card as it existed in the graveyard. So if I have a, um, 
So if I have a, uh, a Dark Steel Colossus, okay, this is Colossus. So Dark Steel Col, that's a bad example because that's an if. So I think I have a, sorry, we were using the examples with like, uh, guile and purity and stuff like that, right? Yeah, you're, you're look, like, uh, there are, uh, Ulamog the Infinite Gyre does this. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably the most recent. So, uh, Ulamog of the Infinite Gyre guy says when Ulamog is put into the graveyard from anywhere, uh, the owner shuffles that graveyard into their library. Okay, so that means it's going to trigger whether it goes, whether it gets discarded from the hand or whether it dies and goes to the battlefield. It's going to go to the graveyard and then it triggers from the graveyard. If, um, uh, uh, if I have a clone, actually we'll just, we'll just say that if I hit, if I've hit Ulamog of the infinite, infinite gyre with something that removes all of its abilities, uh-huh. you know, makes it a one, one green snake with no abilities until end of turn. Or, or something along those lines. And I, I then kill it. Okay. When it left the battlefield, when it, on the battlefield, it had no abilities. It's just a one, one snake or frog or whatever. Um, when it goes to the, when it goes to the graveyard, it, since it's a from anywhere trigger, that triggers from the graveyard. It actually, it sees it in the graveyard and says, Hey, I just went to the graveyard from anywhere. I'm going to shuffle in, even though, um, it didn't have that trigger when it left the battlefield. If Ulamog of the Infinite Gyre had the ability that says whenever Ulamog of the Infinite Gyre dies, its owner shuffles their library, and I hit it with the the turn to frog or snake form or whatever your lignify or whatever your favorite removes all abilities cards are, and then I kill it, that ability's gone. If it's an ability that triggers from the battlefield, it's not there. It didn't exist. So you wouldn't shuffle, even though the Ulamog's in the graveyard. Conversely... <laughs> If I have on a, the flip if, side. Yeah, on the flip side, if I have a clone of Ulamog, okay, like you have an Ulamog out and I clone it, and my clone dies, okay, it goes to the graveyard. In the graveyard, it's just a clone. It's not an Ulamog. It's just a clone. So that ability, whenever it's put into the graveyard from anywhere, doesn't exist on the clone. So it's not going to trigger. It's not going to happen. It doesn't exist. All right. Yep. So so there you, uh, there you go. So that's the difference between abilities that that trigger when something leaves the battlefield and something that yeah. just triggers when it goes to the graveyard and doesn't care whether or not it was on the battlefield. What's 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 really kind of weird about this if if you want to get like really really finicky in the in the in the rules, like nearly every trigger um looks at the event after it occurs. So the event mm-hmm. occurs and then we check to see, you know, well what's it look like now? Even though we're, we're, we're calling out the from anywhere trigger as being different, it's actually the same. It follows that same pattern. It, it checks after the event occurs. The weird one out is actually the leaves the battlefield trigger because it's the one that looks back in time. Now there's a, there's, there's a, there's a few others that, that, that look back in time too. Uh, like a, but, but the weird ones, those are the exception cases. The ones that look back in time are the exception cases. So we think of the from anywhere trigger as kind of an exception, but it's really not. But it's not. It's just, it's just in a, it's just, you're it's looking cons- at it from a different direction. Right. It's consistent with the way most triggers work, but it's non-intuitive. Right. <laughs> because we tend to think of things going in and coming off of the battlefield. Like things kind of tend to revolve around the battlefield, jumping right. in and uh, jumping out. So some other triggers that um that look back in time is abilities that trigger when a permanent phase is out. Looks back at what it was before it phased out. Uh abilities that trigger uh when be- when an object becomes unattached. Looks back at what it looked like when it was still attached. 
Um, let's see if you, if abilities that trigger when a player loses control of an object, looks back right before it lost control. Uh, abilities that trigger when a spell is countered, look back at what the spell looked like right before it was countered. Uh, you know, same thing with a player losing the game. And then, <laughs> the one, Jess, do you want to cover this one since you didn't know it? Ex- I did not know this existed. Yeah, this is <laughs> abilities that trigger when a player planes walks away from a plane, look back in time. Uh, so this is, it's the second thing I've learned about, uh, planes walking this week. This is specific to, to plane <laughs> chase games. Uh, Ooh, the, what was the first? Uh, the first thing is that apparently you can't planeswalk while stuck in a rock. What? Oh. How do you get yes. stuck in a rock? Oh, ask Soren Markov, who is stuck in a rock. He's still stuck in a rock. Well, oh, is he still stuck in that rock? Well, we haven't received any updates on him. And what I learned this week, and this is one of my new favorite things on the internet, is that there is a Chrome extension you can get, which just, <laughs> it just appends every MTG story on the wizard's website. At the very end, it says, meanwhile, on Innistrad, Soren is still stuck in a rock with a picture of Soren stuck in a rock. Stuck in a rock. I love that. But uh, so all of these, all of these things that look back are things that have to look back or they wouldn't make any sense. For example, abilities that trigger when a spell is countered. If I'm looking at it now, I don't know what spell was countered because it's already happened. Hey, hey, can I, can I share with you and the audience uh, uh, another Chrome extension hilarity? Is it Cloud Debut Plus? Uh, yeah. So, How did I know? So the uh, I'm I'm the lead of the <laughs> the annotated IPG, uh, which is a, a project that goes out and does a line by line deconstruction of the IPG. Uh, its uh, sister project is called the Annotated MTR, which is a line by line deconstruction of the you guessed it MTR. Um, one of the sections of the MTR is a section that lists uh, all the cards that are uh, banned in modern. Apparently, someone who edited that, there is a Chrome extension called Cloud to Butt yep. that replaces the word cloud with the word butt. Right, because in most contexts, it's funny. Because when somebody says that they were going to upload it to the cloud, it instead says they're going to upload it to the butt. Sure. Or, oh, you got your head in the head in the clouds. You got your head in the butts. I get it. It's, it's hilarious. But what happened was is someone who had that extension uh, apparently was editing the, the annotated MTR. Oh, no. And, and the card cloud post got changed <laughs> to butt post. Butt post. Now, if that doesn't bring out the inner 12 year old in you, I don't know what does. Oh, what I do don't. Somebody, I had mentioned uh, butt damage for uh, the high alert deck or things that um, allow your creatures to deal damage equal to their toughness. Um, I don't remember who emailed us about this saying that they have a a butt damage deck, um, but I appreciate that. Uh, That was... Somebody... That was Nevin Jacobs emailed us to say that that he had, uh, he or she actually, I don't know had a uh, uh, butt damage deck. Yeah, with, so they, they have a they have a butt damage deck. They acknowledge the existence of butt damage, yep. and I appreciate that person for that. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but back to our to our task at hand. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Is there anything else that we want to say about triggered abilities while we're here? Or riggers, I guess. 
No. Oh, oh, well, oh, well I mean, oh. I thought we were out of time because I, I, I got a whole episode prepared to talk about riggers. <laughs> uh, uh, well, thanks y'all that- for, uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> No, go ahead, Jess. I was going to say, uh, in that case, I, I just want to thank everybody for listening to JudgeCast. Uh, I want to thank uh, both of my hosts for being here, as always. They are awesome humans. And uh, I want to say you could find our entire archive of podcasts at our website on JudgeCast.com, including a Learn to Judge section, uh, where you can find episodes just like this one that have core concepts of magic spelled out for people that want to learn to judge. You can also subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can send us an email, judgecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, so please send us a message. Uh, with that, I'd just like to say I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Broken King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I'm installing a Chrome extension right I won't say which one, <laughs> but I'm, it might um, make such cards as a butt cover, butt fin uh, raptor, a butt, butt pirates, butt form, uh, butt shift, butt stone curio, death mode.